Welcome to the Into My 50s podcast. My best mate is a unique individual. Not only did he help me through school avoiding bullies and always standing by my side, he also has the best sense of humour I have found to this day. We can just look at each other and know what we are both thinking. We laugh at the same things and have a mutual understanding of pretty much everything in life and hold equal respect for each other's lives. BFAM, or brother from another mother, has always found my misfortunes over the years a subject of great amusement from the decline of my dental problems throughout the years, starting with a funny story when an Indian dentist told me when I was 14, you are eating too many polos, in a strong Indian accent. This still makes him laugh today, 25 years later. He can't believe the amount of bad luck I've experienced for one person, but always recounts tales of woe during my life. This is why he nicknamed me Jinxie, which has stuck to this day. Even both his boys call me Uncle Jinxie. After a breakup with a woman who had explained to me many times she didn't like muscly men and would much prefer my body type, she then ran off with a bodybuilder. His comment was simple. Don't worry, mate. Everyone needs a change. He doesn't plan his comments or reactions, but they are always funny, which is a unique quality. He also tried one evening to think of every possible word beginning with L to match my old surname, including luckless, ladyless, lonely, lacklustre and lanky. We tried getting stoned one evening, and I recall one three-hour conversation about the universe and how conversations first started, i.e. if the first person invented the word hello, how did the other person know what it meant? And how did the first person explain what hello meant? Anyway, uh, this was a three-hour conversation ending in me shouting, and what is paint? You had to be there, of course, to understand how funny it really was. Another experience was after I had bought my first decent car. Of course, BFAM wanted to drive it, so I let him. While driving down a very straight road, a Volvo estate just pulled out of nowhere into our path while we were speeding at around 60 miles per hour. He slammed the brakes on and not only missed the Volvo, he managed to steer into the lane the Volvo had pulled out of and missed the trees, road sign and carried on driving. We didn't speak for around 10 minutes at all and on approach to our village he just said, that was close wasn't it? He also owned a number of cars but the one that sticks out in my memory was his red Cortina. To bling it up a bit, he put white boxes all over the panels using Halford sticky tape, and after spraying his wheels with a fake chrome paint to hide the rust, we drove off in it very proud of the work. The car started to wobble all over the place, and he had forgotten to do up the nuts on one of the back wheels. This car had a Playboy gear knob that matched his Playboy bed set, and he thought he was the mutts nuts driving around in that car. I remember picking up a Kentucky Fried Chicken meal, and as we ate it sitting on the bonnet, we decided to leave. And as we drove away, there was a loud bang and his back windscreen was covered in orangeade. He had left it on the roof as we drove away. You see, BFAM was always one car ahead of me in the cool stakes. When he had a Cortina, I had a Fiesta. When he bought his first Escort XR3i, the best I could do was buy an Escort 1.3 gear and put cloverleaf wheels on it and the spoiler from an old XR3i. Of course, because they weren't low profile tyres, the car was also too high and very bouncy. There was also no back windscreen wiper on a gear so I had a huge hole in the spoiler, which ended up rusting beyond repair. When he first bought his black XR3i, he used to follow me and just kept overtaking me to show off, and all I could see was him laughing as he passed me time and time again. This was until one day when he overtook me, beeping and flashing his lights. Around a mile later, I could see a police car had pulled someone over for speeding, and yes, indeed, there he was, BFAM, standing there pleading with the policeman. I smiled as I drove past and beeped in recognition. I had finally achieved retribution. Our usual weekly schedule involved a game of snooker, where he always kicked my ass as he was really good, a kebab twice a week where we sat in the car and just chatted, eating what was probably a local cat or two, a trip to the local club, 
and drinks in TGI Fridays where we met with all of our friends. The number of stories from those days would fill a couple of books and to be honest would get too many people in trouble so I will omit these for legal reasons. When I was growing up my mum insisted on making me a man's man and toughening me up. I think she realised I was still hanging on to the apron strings a little bit too much and I needed to change this. She believed in rugby being a good sport for me, a racer instead of BMX, and lads doing lads type activities like climbing mountains and all that crap. All I wanted to do was talk to girls, smoke and ride BFAM's BMX. I wanted a BMX so bad that I started to buy a piece at a time and hide it underneath my bed. I bought a set of pedals, some grips, a crank and one wheel. I never got any further than that because my mum discovered my stash. She threw it all in the bin and grounded me for a month. You see, I didn't want a racer. The seat hurt and I'm surprised I didn't get piles at an early age. B-Fan was dressed in the cool stuff like fire trousers and Lyland Scott jumpers. I was in Gola trainers. School kids took the piss out of me every day for that. And acrylic trousers that created so much friction during a normal day. I could lie up Manchester, let alone how sweaty it made my family jewels. It wasn't my parents' fault. There were three children to look after. We always had many UK-based holidays a year and were in the process of building a huge extension on the house. I struggled to pay my bills when I lived alone, so I can't even imagine what a stress that would be, and I have huge respect for them now I'm older. I used to sit there in amazement as B-Fan would pull a 540 spin on his BMX and do bunny hops and endos, and all I could do was stop his BMX on the curb, start to roll backwards and then fall off. Bless him for his patience though. I mean think about it, some other kid on your bike who was crap at everything, and he had to watch that shit for hours while I said, hang on mate, one more go, I'll get it soon. B-Fam's bedroom was decorated by his spray paint art. For some unknown reason, his mum agreed for him to spray paint an entire wall of his bedroom, and he was brilliant at art. It was something the Beastie Boys or Ice Cube would have been proud of in New York or LA. He also, at 3am one morning with a bunch of other lads, spray painted the back car park wall of the local budget supermarket. The thing was 20 feet high by 60 feet wide, and it was brilliant. Not only that, this was a school night, and his mum actually went down to see it and was pretty impressed. Brilliant. During our clubbing years, we discovered a club in Watford called Paradise Lost, and we drove all the way there most weekends for a while. One particular weekend, I had my car broken into, and the bastards didn't just take my speakers and stereo, they took the whole back parcel shelf. The police were running down the street, caught them, and I got it back five months later, covered in fingerprint dust. The thing about our gang of friends back then was that BFAM and I were obviously best mates, but most of the others didn't have that same kind of relationship. They all slagged each other off behind their backs and had no hesitation to drop them at the last minute in favour of a woman or a better offer of something to do. One of them nicknamed me DP, which I learned years later stood for Depressed Paul. But it no longer upsets me because all I know is that BFAM never said a bad word against me and always stood up for me. You see, this is what a true best mate is all about. And I see other so-called best mates and they just don't have that history and the memories I have with him. And for this, I am eternally grateful. My life wouldn't have been the same without him and no one will ever make me laugh in the unique way he does. Take for example when he discovered that by lying on his back and pushing his lanky six foot legs over his head, he could suck in air through his back passage and produce the loudest farts you could imagine. I mean, who does that? Why, when we were both beaten up whilst minding our own business one day, did he come around the corner bleeding but laughing at the same time, shouting, what the fuck was that about? You see, that day, two blokes jumped out of a car accusing us of looking at them. It was an orange marina. I'll never forget that car. And when we were pushed off the wall by these two fuckwits, BFAM got the raw deal because the guy was ripped and had his top off. I got the short angry little shit who got annoyed because he couldn't land a punch or kick on me. 
I have a memory of Bifan being pushed into the wall shop window. The window just wobbled away as the guy swung for him again and again. I still recall the look on his face when we were trying to enjoy a two-week holiday in a shithole called Playa de la Americas, as a local ladyboy set upon him. She asked for some of Bifan's chips late one night, and when he said no, she started playing with his hair, so he told her to fuck off. The next thing, this ladyboy started to chase us in her high heels and miniskirt. We did laugh when we got back to our apartment, but it scared the shit out of us at the same time. The woman who cleaned our apartment during the day was really nice, so we both had a bit of a thing for her. One night during that holiday there was some trouble, and we saw her in a policewoman's outfit. So, cleaner by day, policewoman by night. What a woman. During the BMX and early hip-hop years, we actually had the balls to take two spades to the local pub car park and dig out a quarter pipe on the edge at the back. When asked what the hell we were doing by the owner, BFAM just responded, very relaxed, we're digging the quarter pipe, as if he was stupid. When we got told to never come back, we decided to create one in the local woods and succeeded after a couple of trips. Talk about never give up. This shows what determination we had back then. Considering we used to walk around the local area in skin-tight, pinstripe jeans frayed at the edges with white slip-on shoes, white socks, white cardigans, white scarves and hoddle-waddle permed at the back haircuts, I'm surprised we didn't get beaten up every single night. To top this, we played Duran Duran out of his stereo, which he carried around, cradled in his arms like a young baby. How cool were we, huh? Then of course there was the breakdancing craze, which hit us from 12 years old through to when we left school. B-Fan was called Crazy Legs Crane because of his long lanky legs, but amazingly he could do the windmill. Best I could do was the turtle, but thought that was pretty cool for me considering. Our school books were covered with tags. He was master art, which sounded cool, but for some reason I called myself Wonder Boy. No wonder I got this shit kicked out of me. I even asked him to do a graffiti version of it on my books. Let's face it, no artistic talent will ever make Wonder Boy look cool. B-Fan realised around 15 years old that women love the smell of baby powder. So during his lengthy get ready routine, he covered himself in mandate aftershave, blow dried his blonde highlighted mullet style hair, but not before covering his torso in Johnson's baby powder. He swore this was the best move he had ever made and got him a lot of skirt. I was never convinced, but it worked a treat. If I remember rightly, got him his first hot girlfriend who lived nearby. In 2008, I was blessed with the position of best man at BFAM's wedding. And this is normally the best day of their lives but it was the best day of my life at the time. You can imagine a more perfect day, from dressing his two beautiful boys in their little suits that matched ours to the venue, the people, the atmosphere, the feeling of that excitement that everything was going perfectly to schedule. The day passed in a flash, and during my best man speech, I did croak a little at the end when I was supposed to say the following, you are the brother I always wanted, the man I wish I was, and the husband and father I aspire to be. Now, I guess it was my own fault for putting something like that, as it was bound to get me on the day. Thank God his mum was there next to me to help me out or I would have caved in completely. I created a video montage of photos and videos with music that got a standing ovation and that made me feel absolutely amazing to do that for my best mate. I know he loved it and I worked hard to ensure it all went perfectly for him. It was worth every single piece of effort. I remember walking out for a cigarette and all of the women at the wedding all came up to me with tears in their eyes and kept hugging me. And it again made me feel good that I had got my speech across to make people laugh but also to show how I feel about my best mate. The wedding organiser actually said, and whether this is true or not I don't know, that she had managed over 350 weddings and that was the best best man speech she had ever seen. I don't care who comes and goes in my life, with the exception of a few friends, my wife, my child obviously, as long as I have BFAM around, I know everything will be okay. Okay.